podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Stanford Index Podcast, South African edition. Once again, we are back, guys. Thanks for joining us. I'll be your host once again, Lloyd Hicks. And joining me today, we've got the face-off duo. Firstly, Tadiwa, welcome back. Your second thanks, time on thanks. SA. Yeah, and good to be back. Cool, man. And we've got a familiar voice in Kalen. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, good day today. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be on the podcast as well. It's, it's nice to finish it, a hard day of work with uh, with with tuning with your chomis, so I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a good day, and it's it's especially a good day for you, eh? Happy birthday, sir! Ah, thanks very much, man. Thanks very much. Happy birthday! Thanks, thanks for the DIY. Are yeah. you um? It's not nice to ask, but are you on the? I'm old as ass. The lesser but... side of four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm almost there. <laughs> 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 yeah, shit, man. I no, it's, were, it's, it's close. I am. Um, uh, yeah, no. 1981. So, yeah, 37. And, uh, that guillotine blade is coming down fast. You can see all this shit. I, I, I work with like yeah, interns and stuff like that. I, so, um, there's some people that are quite young in my office I work yeah. with and they ask me to like, oh, so like, what are you guys doing? You're going to the club and stuff. I'm like, how, what? No. What? <laughs> no. There's many, many years since we've done that. I have no appetite to go to the club. And she's yeah. like, how old are you? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm over there. Like, don't worry about that. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm just going home to drink tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a great day planned. I'm going to go home and drink some tea. I'm gonna watch like three episodes in a in a row of my favorite series and then go to bed early. That's that's gonna be perfect. That's uh That's gonna be you. <laughs> uh, well let's save the celebrations for the weekend, eh? That's the plan, that's the plan. So cool, yeah. That is the plan. That's actually a nice segue. So cast your minds back, guys. Two thousand and five, May. It's around about the same time of the year. Thirteen years ago, can you believe it? Liverpool are facing a formidable AC Milan in the Champions League final. Let that sink in. And now we're back there again. So, Jens, how's the nerves? Has it set in yet? <laughs> um, um, let me come to you first, Adiwa. Just just um, run us through um, your experience in 2005, you know, leading up to the Champions League final this weekend, obviously Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Um we obviously were in the Champions League 13 years ago against AC Milan, and yeah, just give us a, a rundown of, of you know what how you experienced that final. Oh wow, yeah, I think you've just made me more nervous now taking me back then. But <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty calm going into this final, but um, yeah, I, I, I think I was back in high school when this final happened, and it was sort of. It was quite, it was quite fun leading up to it because, you know, in high school, you sort of have quite a lot of bragging rights because you're seeing guys at school, you know, the, the, the Wednesday after or the Thursday after a game has happened. So I felt, I felt quite good having the bragging rights, but I thought the watching the game itself, because I, you know, you always ask, where were you when you were watching the game? 
And obviously, I was still in high school, so about I think 13, 13 years old or so. So it's not like I was at a at a bar with a couple of Liverpool mates or something like that. I was actually at home. And funny enough, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the TV show Full House. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, they're about they're four kids in the family, and then my mom and dad. And obviously, if there's six people in the house, everyone sort of kind of votes on on what's to be watched, and it's kind of like a democratic vote. Now, my dad was away, so he was fortunate enough to to not have to be part of this vote and that he could just watch the game because my dad's a Liverpool fan. And I myself am a Liverpool fan. Then my older brother and my younger brother, they're Man United fans. And then my little sister's a... She became a Liverpool fan, you know, as she grew older. And then my mom, she's a Chelsea fan. So obviously the day of the final, there was a full house episode that was on. Uh, sort of, it was sort of, um, it started about 10 minutes before the final actually started and everyone was sort of sitting there watching it. And I'm sitting there saying, guys, can we change the channel? It's mm-hmm. the Champions League final. I don't, you know, I was trying to get this through across to them. And they were sort of going with the whole adage of, well, it's a democracy. We all want to watch this episode. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So the final starts. And I obviously missed the first about five minutes or so because we're watching Full House. And I'm sitting there just pissed off, proper pissed off. Uh, there's nothing I could do. And then I think there was an ad, ad break. And during that ad break, I quickly switched because what I was doing was during the ad breaks, I was able to switch. And I switch and Liverpool are losing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, it's sort of like five minutes or so into the game and we're losing. And then obviously I don't get to see the goal because I have to switch back to full house because the the, the ad breaks are finished. (laughs) Then another ad break, I switch back to the Liverpool game. We're 2-0 down. And I'm just like, what on earth is going on here? And everyone in the room is sort of like, well, dude, you see, we've kind of saved you from watching this, this trash that you would have been watching rather just watch Full House with us. So anyway, the Full House episode finishes and it's still about 2-0 when I switch back now to watching live. And I'm I'm just sitting there quite pissed off. Everyone else has gone to bed. My mom's sort of saying, listen, you got school. Like, just go to bed. It, it's over, dude. It's over. And I'm refusing. I think it was more defiance of you've made me miss this much of it while I'm staying for the rest of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think if it, if it had been 20 nil, I still would have sat through the whole thing just out of spite, I think. But, um, yeah, so that, that was the first bit of the final. And obviously I think we can then move on to the other parts of the game. But yeah, that was my introductory to how I started watching the game itself. Wow, that's crazy, man. I think even if it was 20-0 at half time, we would have come back in that game. Yes. Just that magic. Um, and also another another thing a lot of people might, might not know is that um, before it was the Champions League showpiece that it is now on a Saturday, it used to be in the mid- midweek. So this game was actually on a Wednesday night, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and late, obviously, so people had to go to work. I was actually on varsity back then, so you know, I was in the bar having a fucking duel with, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> with most of the Liverpool fans gathered close close to home, thankfully. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is, what can you say about Istanbul? Everyone's had their moments and their memories. I think leading up to it as well, you know, the Gerard moment and just getting to the final was 
you know, the thing, and then the final itself was special in its own right. But, um, yeah, Kalen, give us a, a quick rundown of, of your experience. I, I must say, like, back then, it, it's difficult now because, like, that was the thing that launched us back into Europe. That game afterwards, there was a, a feeling of, that, you know, Liverpool are back in the big leagues. The European Knights are back at Anfield and something is going to happen around the club and there's lots of, you know, good development going to take place. Before that, it wasn't, it wasn't just like that, you know, it wasn't, we didn't yeah. have a, it, it was a very different feeling around the club. And even though we hadn't sort of let go of the past in that respect, we, you know, we were still, uh, very much feeling that Liverpool is the best team in the country and should be winning leagues and, and we just aren't because of this and that. Um, we hadn't won anything in a very long time, you know. So uh, Benitez was there, but Benitez played this. I mean, I know he's remembered fondly and he, rightly so. He, he's, a, he's a fantastic coach. But people don't always remember that his way of playing wasn't, you know, especially debated after results, wasn't always that popular. It was a bit tetchy. It was... A little bit, you know, boring for the neutral and that kind of stuff, but we were very, very competitive and all those things have to go into sort of what I'm going to say because into that final, despite what had happened before, it sort of felt like a fairy tale that we were even in the final, to be honest. Exactly. Like I won't lie. It, 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 all the things that happened, the game with Juventus, you know, Chelsea, um, Olympiacos, like, I mean, all these things were just, they're just these weird things that were happening one after the other, like ridiculous games that were, that were stacking up in that Champions League run. It felt like a fairy tale that we were even there. And suddenly we're in, we're in the Champions League final with what is frankly, undoubtedly at that point, the best team in Europe. Look at the team sheet that we faced that day. That is yep. stupid. We, you know, you only remember it at the beginning of when we relive these things in the, in the, remembrance videos you know we, let's watch that game back again and you see you know kaka and um and uh, shevchenko and all these guys crespo walking out and uh, you know maldini just think what the hell and i remember watching it and going into it and the feeling on our side was very much just it's so nice that we're in the final and it's not there's no shame in losing to the best team. Look at this team. This team is utterly insane. And we, you know, we might lose, but like, I mean, this is, this is crazy. You know, it's, it's, we, we're lucky to be here and uh, to a degree. Look at the players we've got. Look at the players they've got. It, it sort of felt like that. But I tell you what, I tell you what, eh, by half time in that game, the feeling in my house had changed dramatically. It was in, it's sort of South African, Afrikaans colloquialism, you know, you'd say, I'm just duck. You know, by, <laughs> yeah. by half time, I was so fed up. I just, I, I sort of couldn't, couldn't handle it. And so when the second half sort of began, I had gone off to make myself like a cup of tea. And, uh, my brother who had only joined us for the second half, the bastard. Okay. Like, <laughs> he doesn't really watch soccer all that much, but he does follow the big games. He comes running into the kitchen. He's like, Liverpool scored. And I'm like, I, okay. I, to be honest, I wasn't even that, like, I, I wasn't even that excited about it. And then sort of walking with my car back in there after we, you know, after we scored again, that's when the excitement really, really started kicking home. And like, 
hey, we could do something. And that's the first time I started noticing that we were actually playing a lot better. And it wasn't just some, you know, the, uh, passion and emotion and all that stuff that was going into it. There was something else that was happening in this final. Uh, AC Milan were not as effective as they were. We were far more effective than we were. And this team was scared and we weren't scared. That was the first time that happened. But that whole feeling of being minnows and being lucky to to just be there to complete and utter just going totally fed upness, you know, like I was totally just irritated, frustrated, just wanting to be absolutely anywhere else, dreading going back to varsity the next day and listening to all the, the my friends who support other teams to what happened in that second half. That's it's it's ridiculous. There's nothing there's nothing that can happen again like that, I don't think in my lifetime. Yeah, that was for most of us the beginning of you know what we <laughs> basically take, see as the norm these days for Liverpool. Yeah. That that emotional roller coaster. But um, yeah, no, uh, uh, it was. Do you know? Do you me. know Lloyd? Um, my girlfriend. She she watches football a bit, but she supports a different team. And because I obviously watch Liverpool, she watches Liverpool games now, and she's watched only this season, right? And yeah, she's yeah. she turned to me um after the Roma game, the second the second uh, leg of the Roma game, and she was like, "That is." The most tense game of football I've ever watched. I can't actually handle it. I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. She doesn't even support Liverpool, <laughs> right? And then she asked me, yeah. like, so I told her, this is what happens every week. Basically. Yeah, week in, week out. Yeah. You know, it happens like basically there's like 10 times a season that this happens with Liverpool, you know, where you, your emotion just up and down. We never seem to do things the easy way. And she just goes, I don't know how you handle that. I don't know how you, cause she's seen like, the first leg of Roma, second leg of Roma, Man City, second leg Man City. You know, it just happens all the time. Is I don't know how other fans handle their teams, but like I, I think we've just got life support built into our hearts by now. Like nothing, yeah, <laughs> nothing can railroad <laughs> a Liverpool fan. It's crazy, man. And even and uh, yeah, like like Istanbul, it just was roller coaster after roller coaster. So where I was, we, the place was absolutely packed. But I still had a view of the TV. I was close to the door. Not to run away, of course. <laughs> I felt like running away at half time. But yeah, I, I, when, when it hit half time, you know, the place was packed. There was probably over a hundred people in there. And, you know, but we had a good view. And then half time, I, I remember walking down. You had to go down this flight of stairs and then you were outside, get some fresh air because the place was just stuffy as hell. So that time you could smoke wherever you wanted. People were just lighting up and drinking and going crazy. And I just sat outside for a bit on the pavement and I just took in some fresh air and just went back in, ordered a beer, and then when Gerard actually scored, uh, it sounds like a cliche now, but the belief, you know, with Gerard pumping his arms, uh, cheering on the crowd to, you know, get behind us, that actually triggered me. I, was, I actually turned to the guy next to me and I told him that we're coming back in this fucking game. <laughs> and... um. Yeah, no, that team, man, that AC Milan team, that, that's the closest thing you'll find to, like, you know, in FIFA, the World Eleven team exactly. that you can pick? Exactly. Yeah, basically that. It's the team you give your little brother when, you know, you want to give him a chance against you and you being the expert in FIFA. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's actually mental that we beat them with the team that we had. And, um, a little bit of luck, you know, everything went our way. That's that double save, uh, by Dudek of Shevchenko. What would have basically spelled the end of the of our, of our fight back, uh, uh, basically. Mm. So, yeah, everything went for us on the day, and definitely something that will be etched in Liverpool fans' minds for 
you know, for the rest of their lives, and and also brought on a new um, generation of Liverpool fans. A lot of people um, post Istanbul started supporting the Reds. So yeah, mm. what a, what an awesome night. Um, if we could think, segue to the, I also think yep. it like sort of brought us into a, a modern, a, a bit of a modern age for Liverpool supporters in that. Oh yeah, we, we knew we weren't that top team anymore. As in, we weren't going to be fighting for the league every year. But it was there was still something special at Anfield, and that, and that helped us move along from that. You know, from the point of just just expecting and expecting and expecting, and you know, not having that same that that team reflected. You know, we didn't have a team of like the best players in, yeah. in the Premier League, etc., etc. And I think that. And also the FA Cup the next year, you know, being that sort of uh, cup team in, in in inverted commas, we only had like that one sort of title tilt, right, in uh, in 08, 09. But other than that, we, we, there wasn't that much to shout about in the league. And I I just think like this helped us move along to get to the point where Liverpool fans, Liverpool as a club could turn around and look at themselves and then go, okay, we understand we are not in the correct place. It's still something that there's still very special stuff that happens at this club. And uh, as a community, it's still a very special community. But we have to face facts and have to turn around and th- we have to rebuild from the ground up. And although, uh, of course, we did go through Hicks and Gillette to get there, that's all around turned out to be a positive thing. Yeah. Yep. Definitely, man. And, um, they sort of backed Rafa after that. He brought in his signings. And if if you look at the next final we played against AC Milan, we, it was kind of more of a Rafa team that he had, that he built, uh, a lot of the stars or, or the, you know, legends that as we see them now were in that mm. team. Unfortunately, we fell short. But, um, yeah, it, it, it put us back on track. You know, we weren't fighting for the league. Chelsea was up and coming with all the money and, you know, we needed something back. We needed to prove that we are those guys still, and and we shouldn't be taken lightly. So, yeah, no, this great evening. Anything else from you to do? Well, or... no, I right, think let's... you guys covered it all. Yeah, cool, man. Um, yeah, I'd like to segue to basically the meat of the the podcast. I I, I want to have a look at you know if we could contrast 2005 with 2018. The final is coming up on Saturday. Um, if if we look at the teams, basically uh, the LFC team going into it, the opposition team, the Real Madrid team, and the the topic I want to touch on the most is you know the buzz, the media, and and you know the fans. What's different between 2005 and 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 now? If if I could just set it up a bit, social media has grown so much. I mean, in 2005, I don't think I don't even think I had a cell phone, um, and you basically didn't know. As much as you know now, but Liverpool mm. information is so readily available. You know the the team. You know who's injured. You know you know everything that's going on with the team. And back in 2005, we were just flying by you know the pants of our seats of our pants basically. Um, you you just basically saw the team sheet when the, when it appeared on TV. Yes. You didn't know what happened. The build up, what the team did, and just going in that raw was, I think, added to the experience as well. It just helped with that. You know the joy that came afterwards. Um, so if we, if we look at if we flip forward to 2018, you know we know every fan knows every little bit of detail coming out of the club, what's happening, where they're training now. So let me let me come to you first to do um, if you could have a look at the two uh, Champions League finals, 2005, 2018. What 
what are the what is the biggest con- um, contrast for you? Like, obviously, I've mentioned the media, but like, if you could also touch on the teams, the opposition, and, and our team, and the buzz for you personally. Yeah, um, maybe I'll just quick point on the media thing. Can you imagine if there was Twitter back in the 05 final at halftime? Half-time. I can wow. just imagine. Yeah, Twitter would have crashed. Shut that. I'm not yeah, even so. Twitter, Twitter would have, yeah. There's no way would have handled that fire. That <laughs> would have been madness. <laughs> halftime, yo, yeah. the way I always complain. Nah, bro, I'm done. <laughs> End it. <laughs> yeah, but um, in terms of the contrast and maybe also the similarities as well. You can see, obviously, there's quite a few things that have been flying around, you know, facts that, like, Liverpool only ever win the Champions League or European Cup, whichever when it was at the time. Um, you only We've only ever won it against teams that are, uh, are wearing white. So, you know, if Bayern Munich had gone through, that might have been tricky for us, but with Madrid going through <laughs> That's a good thing, I suppose. Um, also, you know, the thing with the wedding, uh, you know, there was similar yeah. wedding at different, uh, different times when we won it, as well as, I think, the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Exactly, I was going to say think. that. <laughs> I mean, and there's the Pope. Some... Oh, no, bless, no, we, we can't. Yeah, no, hey, Lloyd, <laughs> Lloyd, bro, no, chill, bro. Like... <laughs> no, he's good, he's good. We pardoned him for the, for this one. But, um, yeah, I think there's quite a few fun little facts and, you know, omens, uh, so to speak, that, that go along and tag along with Liverpool winning a, a Champions Cup. And I think if you look at the teams, uh, back then and, and now, you can also sort of sense how this Liverpool team at the beginning of this campaign was nowhere near the favourites, similar to our 05 team in that no one even, you know, Everyone's sort of hoping, you know, don't embarrass yourselves, guys, please. You know, you've just made it through to the group stages. Uh, you're hoping, okay, let's get out of the group stages and then you never know what can happen. But you're not really expecting a big, big push. Whereas you're coming up against one of the European giants in 05 as a, a you know, in the form of AC Milan coached by Carlo Ancelotti. I don't think. In, during that era, it didn't come bigger than that. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. They, uh, uh, as as Kay mentioned earlier, if you look at the team, the likes of even Dida in goal. I mean, how massive was he for them for so many years? You had the guys like um, Nesta, you know, Seedorf, all, all these massive, massive names. That if you look at their starting That's eleven, so, yeah. probably, yeah, yeah. Pro- probably. 90%, if not all of them, you know, Cafu on the right as well. Everyone is probably a football legend. If, if you trace back and you look at that starting 11, you could probably argue for every single player in that team being a football legend. Whereas if you contrast that with our 05 team, ooh, maybe you could argue for five, maybe, you know, you'd, you'd be quite a brave person to argue for even five of those players to, to have been legends. And so you can see, it, it wasn't necessarily about individual players or even the team that started the campaign, but it was more about the progression and the momentum and the development and how much the team grew over the entire competition. And it's quite similar to the way our team has sort of grown into this competition. And it's culminating with a, uh, with a game in the final against the best team of this era, so to speak. I mean, Real Madrid 3 three Champions League trophies in four years. AC Milan were sort of the kings of Europe back then. So it seems like 
both there, there's quite a few similarities and and also in terms of captains you know Gerard at the time then he wasn't yet you know Mr Liverpool so to speak that we that we came to know after that point in time he was still sort of finding himself and and trying to you know stamp his authority with that armband to say you know people were kind of asking him what has he won as captain what has he really pulled off as the Liverpool captain and I've heard those similar questions with Jordan Henderson should Jordan Henderson even be captain has been the the call for quite a few months if not a few years even more so with Virgil van Dijk coming in so you can imagine what does that then do for Jordan Henderson lifting that trophy leading a team through a campaign like this being the Liverpool captain going forward being a I'm a Champions League winning Liverpool captain because if you look at it only four other Liverpool captains can say that in the history of Liverpool Football Club only four other Liverpool captains can say I'm a Liverpool I'm a Champions League or European Cup winning captain and you can only just imagine what that could even do for a for a Jordan Henderson so I think in terms of contrast um not necessarily contrast, but more a lot of similarities and comparisons that you can draw between the two, which I find quite interesting. Okay, cool, man. I hear you. Um, yeah, uh, at the end of, hopefully at the end we can see Mali and Hendo lifting off bigger ears once more. Yes. Uh, and, and, and like you said, it, it would just transform the whole team and not just Jordan Anderson, but, but him is as well. And, and I, I like the fact that you touched on that it's a team. We are a team. Even I always like to, to to mention like World Cup, seeing that the World Cup's coming up now. It's not always the best team that wins. It's the team that works together. That you, you see it with the Brazilians a lot. That's why I think that they've won so many World Cups because they are like a band of brothers. They they are so in tune with each other and as a team they perform well together. That's why I also love the fact that Klopp took the whole team. Away to uh, to Spain on the training camp, but it looks like they stayed in like one whole complex. I'm not sure I saw the one picture, but you know, like living together and doing things together, and just getting to know that someone that little bit extra helps, um, you know, with the chemistry on the field as well. So hopefully that um, you know that translates well into um, you know a victory on on the weekend. But for you, Kay, let me come to you. Um, yeah, just give us your thoughts on 2005 and versus 2018. Um, how are you feeling going in this this weekend? Yeah, I got the media question that you got. I'm also going to start with that because that's the that's a massive contrast. It is a massive contrast, oh, yeah. especially especially for uh, for us here in like you know Southern Africa. We 2005, you know, before the real reliance on on social. And remember back then, social media wasn't even what it is now. Yeah. It was more social media was more like talking with your friends in an electronic format, you know. MSN. <laughs> we we were we not. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I can remember, like back in those days, it was like the the contact I had with international Liverpool supporters was like leading. It was sorry, was reading the official club forums. Yeah. You know the website forums, like, like th- that was sort of mostly it, and. It wasn't a place where I went to sort of interact. It was more a place I just went to read. And there was, I didn't feel part of a community as such. It was just a, a forum. And, you know, you had, yeah, you had mix it and, um, and things like that. I think Facebook was obviously, you know, coming out or still around at that time. And, and those, but those are friends and family networks. So the, the information that we got was mostly really from our broadcaster. 
you know, and uh, here in South Africa to be from the satellite broadcaster, and they, um, I don't want to say too much here, but it, you know, they they don't present that same depth of analysis as they do even now, and and you know, some might say that's even lacking a bit, or it is lacking in my opinion. Um, but it, it was it, what it is now. It wasn't even like that then, and it was relying too much on a couple of people who were certainly not Liverpool fans. And so you got a very tuned down approach in the media. I think, for, from what I can see, you know, now, now I don't rely on that. You know, uh, I, I'm getting that from our broadcasters and everything like that. But the media I consume is like global media. People are putting together, you know, their own previews for the Champions League final uh you know I, I retweeted one today that literally you know got me got goosebumps going and it was and you hear what people say that's that's the big thing Lloyd I think is you hear people talking about like you know last night I dreamt of the Champions League final and this is what happened and um I, I can't sleep uh because I'm thinking about the final and so on and so forth every single little bit of news of the club is uh, as absolutely devout, especially when it comes to um, news on player injury or coming back from injury, you know, that kind of thing. Like every stats immediately, always immediately. Yeah, stats, dude. And then there's, there, it's a good and a bad thing because, I mean, the good thing is there's so much of information available. Of course, the bad thing is that there might be too much information. And so while we sort of feel that Real Madrid is sitting there saying things like, oh, it's going to be an easy final and that sort of stuff, what... Um, Adam, Pet- Adam Petruccione, who is uh, an AI writer, he's close to, he consumes a lot of media from Spain, and he was saying it's not like that at all. There's a lot of articles where they are talking very admiringly about Liverpool and what Liverpool have done to get here, not in a condescending way even, just you know, admiring and being a little bit impressed. So you can still... Because there's so much media, you can still put it forward in a way that makes it seem like this or like that, you know. And the important thing is for us is we need to concentrate in a certain way. We need to not get, uh, and we don't need to worry about that from our supporters because this season the support has been absolutely ridiculously good. It's it's just been fantastic. So I'm I'm not worried about them being distracted or not concentrating on Liverpool and worrying too much about Real Madrid, not at all. But for people who are not going to the ground, not traveling to Kiev and all that kind of stuff, it that is a difference in the media and that you can sort of get duped into thinking that the narrative is one way where in actual fact it's a, it's a different thing. Um, but I think all in all, like the media stuff is and, and social media and that kind of thing. I know we all complain about it. For me, it's very important. I, I love the information I get from it. I love the interactions I get from it. I love being able to get this feeling from people who actually go to the ground. I love being able to talk with those people and, you know, them giving updates on how they got to the ground. Um, Gags was giving us an update uh, on WhatsApp about, how, you know, the absolute trick it was to get to Kiev. <laughs> and yeah. It sounds nightmarish. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's a way to shame that, that I would not have before, you know. So I, I think all in all, it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, if, if I move on to the LFC team, I think there are some similarities and differences. The biggest, the biggest thing is that the 2005 experience qualifies the 2018 experience. I think that's the biggest thing. We're not going into this one like we went to do the 2005 one thinking that, oh, we, we are a little bit lucky because we're a little Liverpool and we haven't made it to the Champions League final in a while. We know anything can happen with this club. So while 
you know, I don't think any of us are, I don't think we can say like overly just confident. We're not arrogantly going into the final thinking that, you know, we, we're going to win it or anything like that. But we very much know that this is possible. We know that this is within the DNA of the club now because we've experienced 2005. We've experienced so many things that have happened with the clubs, with, with the club. Um, and not even in big matches. We're talking about like, uh, 5-4 Norwich, you know, we're talking about the Dortmund game and et cetera, et cetera. Just ridiculous stuff that's happened over the season. You can never count this team out. And that all stems back from 2005 when that miracle happened, you know. So I think that's the most important thing. One of the biggest similarities, however, between this team and that team is that both are teams where the players are made much better by the manager in charge. Oh yeah. You, know, you look at these teams on paper and, and you, you look at that team, that's ridiculous. What Benitez did with that team is stupid. That's miraculous, frankly. You know, <laughs> I think I can say outright this team is of a better quality on paper than Benitez's team was. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, Igor Bishkan and. Yeah. Especially you know, versus even, even the, the team we played. You have to consider exactly yeah, that AC Milan arguably better than this Real Madrid team. If you put the, if you look at the whole and, team. They were more balanced. Yep. Yep. More balance. And, and I think, I, I don't know what you guys feel, but I felt like back then, even though Real Madrid had a very good team, like AC Milan were it. Yeah. You know, were, the, yeah. The, the, whereas this, I'm, I'm looking around now and I, when I think of Champions League, I'm thinking of Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona as like your top three. And then there's a bunch of, uh, sort of not second tier, but there's really, really good contenders. I'll, I'll put like Juve into that Dortmund from a couple of years back, you know, et cetera, et cetera, who, can get into a, a semi-final and that's into a final, you know, but it's those big three, it's much more spread out than it was back then. Back then, it just felt like it was AC. AC was that team. You know, that, that was, that was who we were playing. And to, to get there with our team doing that, wow. Wow, Rafa madness. Benitez, you know, that is, that is madness. You know, I, I, I can't imagine that, that. But again, uh, again, 2005 qualifies 2018 because I think the big difference is from the fans is we are looking at our team now and there is a greater sense of good excitement and expectation because we're not just thinking we're lucky to be there. We're looking at this team and it's not just the possibility that because we are Liverpool, we can win. There is the evaluation of our team and looking at them and saying, but actually we've been this good this season. Maybe not consistently, but when I say, when I'm talking about not consistently, I'm talking about that one game in 10. You know, this is not, this is not once every five games, once every two or three games, we're kind of losing. like one game in 10, we've gone and it's happened a couple of times this season. We've always come back better and stronger and it's happened throughout the season. We can look at the development of the team over this season, just over this season. And for example, how the defense has developed, how Mohamed Salah is integrated into attack and the front three has formed, how uh, the midfield has had to, chop and change to to become something that's it, it just seems neither one nor the other but definitely works you know in a, in a way whereas if we look at back then i i don't think we all together knew exactly what function some of those players yeah. were playing because benitez <laughs> was taking them and making them into something that was completely different from what they were you know this is the man who took Dirk Kate out from a striker put him out on the wing and it worked out really brilliantly for the team you know that kind of thing so there's a lot of, there's a lot, there is a similarity, but there's so much difference now, especially because we've had 2005. This 2018 team 
is something that we're very proud of. We've had so much fun watching them and we know that they are that good. We know that they are that good. And we'll talk about this a little bit. I'll talk about this a little bit more in the next section for some of the things we're going to describe. But we're doing things that we didn't think we knew was possible with this team. We've seen, we've seen players develop in a way where we, we think that, oh, you know, this guy is all about the skill. In the meantime, he suddenly pops up somewhere and it's just all the strength. You know, it's just all the, the battling and the fitness and that kind of thing that's gone into it. You think of a player one way and something else comes out somewhere, you know, in some other game. So I think we, we certainly come into the game with a bit more belief, a little more justified belief in ourselves and more expectation, but certainly not arrogance. I think we know what we're up against. And, you know, like Andy Robertson said, said the ridiculous thing is, you know, the, the, the ridiculous thing about Real Madrid is that they're all fantastic. You know, we know that. And, uh, and, but we, we also know that we can hurt them and we also know that they can hurt us. You know, it's, it's going to be such an insane final, I feel. Whereas I felt in 2005, we were sort of more hoping than anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big difference. Yeah, 100% agree with you there, man. And I mean, if you, if you went to any Liverpool fan at the beginning of the season, offered him fourth place, Champions League final, you would have snatched your balls off, my man. So we've had <laughs> a phenomenal season. I and just just on the social media front, um, the contrast for me in 2005 and 2018 is that the way I consume media now and and the the amount of media and the type of media and the quality of media that I receive now, it, it helps you enjoy the game more. I feel like back in 2005, I was just watching the game for the sake of watching the game. And just, you know, hoping that your team came up at the top so that you could, you could brag with your friends or whatever. But now, like, I listen to mm. the, this, the, the, um, Anfield Index under pressure pod today. I listened to another one, uh, uh the scouted one with Dave Ending where they basically looked at the Real Madrid team and our team. And that type of information, you put it together, you've got all the, the stats and it kind of, you can quantify mm. why certain things should or could happen. You know, the probability of this happening. Is, is very high. So, so you can kind of piece together how the game would pan out. Not saying ex- the game would exactly pan out that way, but the probability of it panning out. So you can kind of frame your, 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 your mindset going into the game, which is, you know, very handy. Also, you know, the team news and how we would line up. It's, it's all, it's all good having the, you know, the banter between people of how we'd line up, listening to opposition point of views and things like that. So, I think social media has helped us massively in in, in that regard, and, and and fans are are more educated than than they were back in in, in 2005, I would say. Um, but then also you've got the other side of social media. You've got your your rival fans saying that you know our season doesn't mean anything. Basically, we haven't won anything. And I mean, dude, we're in the Champions League final, the Champions League fucking final. I mean, let that sink in. All, and we were completely written off at the beginning of, of this tournament. Everyone was on Man City's um, bandwagon and saying, look, they stand a mm. good chance of winning it. Not United so much. And also, Lloyd, yeah. you know, to, to put it into perspective, I think it was Bees. It was, um, it was a, a based tune to Red Beasley, um, who was saying, like, the last manager to go to a Champions League final in England and also finish in the top four. Was Alex Ferguson? Wow. wow, that's how hard this is. Yeah, Rafa. That's how hard it is to get to a Champions League final, 
and like finishing that. Remember when we when we go yeah, when we, we went first. to um, yeah. we finished fifth. Yeah. But then what happened the next season? Well, sorry, the next time we got into the final. The final, yeah, the the next AC Milan I final. When did we finish? We then? finished. I would be like, I think I would say third. I think it was third. Well, no, we weren't. We qualified. I think we did. It wasn't the same. I don't think we missed out on Champions League the next year. I might be mistaken. Put me off guard, there, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't remember as well. I'm just, I'm so used to just taking bees by his word, <laughs> to be honest. But I mean, that, uh, e- even with that, like, that's how big this is. You know, that's how hard this is to do. To, to yeah. get to the Champions League final and, and to do well in the league. It, it is, it's not, it's not like winning a league. I'm not saying that. But it is a big achievement. It is, you know, it's not just like making top four. Oh, well done. You did that. Nobody else did that and got to a Champions League final. You know, if, exactly. if it was, if it was such an easy, silly thing to do, then we'd be doing it all the time. And it affects your league position, which is why you have to take into account where you're adjudicating your season. It's not just like a luck thing that you get into it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the opposition fans and whatnot like that, like, I mean, I can understand where they're coming from, and I think they should just they should just carry on bringing it on. <laughs> I don't know if you saw today there was that there was an Everton fan who was like, uh, "This is a public service announcement, basically for Everton fans. No matter what the score is at halftime, do not send out WhatsApps and tweets and that kind of thing." <laughs> <you know? laughs> this will hit you hard. <laughs> now, the thing that got me today was that um, Real Madrid team training photo. What the fuck was she happening was. there, man? And I was responding to, um, fuck, sorry, dude, I forgot the guy's name, but anyways, he was like saying, why is he so weird at Ronaldo now doing the one-handed push-ups? Why is exactly, he so weird? Exactly, dude. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Why? Were you, were you talking to, to John? Possibly. Oh, Sullivan. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Um, but yeah, weird, man. Weird. What is he doing? What, why is he, yeah. why is he doing that? Why? What the fuck? Dude, relax, chill. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't even don't even go to the I actually think this was a troll I don't even think if it was real the, the Bleacher Report um, article was that thing real have you guys read it no I haven't no on audio well, well, which, which article okay so Gags and, Gags and the guys brought it up on the under pressure pod so basically it's this Bleacher Report article from someone in Spain fuck so basically they were going on about that They've completely like Liverpool, you know, or just Liverpool, you know, they're gonna run all over us. Um, Real Madrid have the European pedigree. They've got the experience to win this cup easily. And who do Liverpool have? They don't even have good players except their front line. They don't have the likes of Pogba and Fuck Silva and De Bruyne. I was like, what the fuck is is this a troll? Like seriously, I'll. <laughs> that is a serious I'll troll. tweet it out often. That sounds like a spoof, really. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, have a read of it, yeah. I, I mean, but I'm hoping that's how, I'm hoping that's how Madrid see us. Because if, if anything, we, Klopp is probably the best underdog manager in the world. So if, if they see us as the underdogs, I think that's exactly what we need from them. Because it's going to, it's not only going to help. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to go into a kind of match preview later on, um, but maybe I can just mention this now. Um, I think it's something that we can use to sort of lull them into a, a comfort zone before we do sort of that blitz, that 10, 15-minute blitz we like to do. Yeah. In that, in that same sort of vein, I was really I, – I, I sort of went back and – 
had a look at the um, you know the Real Dortmund game where Dortmund sort of got ripped apart. Uh, I think it was four one to Dortmund at the end. Uh, yeah, Lewandowski scored all four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, just to just to see sort of how Dortmund played and maybe there was a similar thing that that you know we could do because I I definitely think that Real underestimated Dortmund in that game. But yo guys, that was. That would wow, Dortmund could play. Yeah, that's all. I'm w- saying. Like Dortmund could play. It, it's very difficult for me to to contrast that, you know, because you're looking at something in the past, somebody else's team, and you don't always like. I I know we like as a fan base, like for example, we wouldn't compare like Mane to Royce. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and say so, like, peak Mane and peak Royce, who's better? And I I like you know you know many people probably say peak Royce, but that's. You know, it, it's so difficult. You know, one, one is romanticized a lot, and that that was the peak of what Klopp was doing with Dortmund at that time. We aren't there yet, but like, Mane is going to get better, and he, you know, maybe he hasn't hit his peak yet, and that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's difficult to compare and contrast. But yo, that that Dortmund team was fire. That was phenomenal, yeah. So it, it turned out to be a bit of a silly exercise, but uh, I was sort of hoping for the same. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> I was actually telling my colleague today. I I, I know that Real Madrid would respect us. Because, you know, it's just silly doing not respecting the team that you're playing against. But I I hope that they underestimate us because that just plays right into our hands. And the thing is, they yeah. haven't played a team like us. Not necessarily in in terms of, if you if you look at, especially in their run in the Champions League, the closest you could argue they've played um, a team like us is Spurs. But if you look at Spurs' intensity, it's more a technical intensity yeah. and a technical press and a technical build up you got you know players like Dembele and Eriksen who are you know some of the most technically gifted players um in world football with the way they pass the way they position their bodies and stuff like that whereas with us it's more of a just raw you know just filthy pace Chaos. and <laughs> and and I don't think they've played a team like us in in that sense, or a team with you know, we look at their midfields, Modric, Chris, those those guys are going to probably have the ball quite a lot. And I think if we used them as the triggers, because if you watch Real Madrid play, you can see the moment Modric and Chris have the ball, that gives the the fullbacks confidence to move forward because those guys hardly ever lose the ball. So I, you can sort of see as soon as Modric gets the ball. That means uh, Cavallal has the license to now sprint up the pitch because he knows Modric is going to find a pass somewhere there and then he needs to be available either for that pass or for the pass after that. And if those are our trigger points, I know Klopp likes to use trigger points of certain players where everyone then gets on the press. If those two midfielders are now our trigger points and we can get the ball of them, that's when the Mane and, Mane and Salah being out wide could be the key factors for us. I think it's oh, it's going to be interesting. I thought you were going to say that's when the mana, the mana need to uh, <laughs> come forward. The mana need to push yeah. on you. Yeah. Oh, mana. Yeah. mana for our foreign listeners is like a group of men. So the team, basically. <laughs> the guys, the guys, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I I'm just hoping that if you look at our our, our run in into the Champions League final, we started a, a lot of games very slow. I think you know, it goes back all the way to. Um, I think the very first game, but every single game I can think about, it takes about 15 minutes for us to get in, and then that switch just goes on, man, and it's just fucking shit and blood all over the place. It's just but fucking do you crazy. Think it's, 
It's, it could also be by design. Because it's very... It's, it's definitely by design. Yeah. We are like, it's, it's, uh, what you're saying today was perfect. Um, like, it's, it's, it's almost like, so I mean, I remember Carlo Ancelotti saying that Liverpool, when Benitez was coach, was the hardest team in Europe to play because they stop you playing first and then they play. And that always makes it difficult for you to get a footing in the game. Klopp was somewhat similar in that his teams will take, with their pressing and Geigen pressing, like a sort of a, like, we will fuck up your shit approach. You know, that kind of thing like that. We'll come in and disrupt <laughs> everything. You won't be able to do anything. And if you have the ball, we're literally telling you, play, dog, play, yeah. brah, come, play, you know, pass, do something, do something, you know. That it scares teams so much. Like one of the things I was really worried about and one of the stupider moments I had in the season was like looking at how Pep managed us in the Champions League. And how he used, you know, Laporta to, uh, you know, it's like the out of position. And then we went to Roma and then they had their, you know, really terrible three-man defense tactic just fall apart in front of them. And I was thinking, you know, man, if Roma hadn't have done that, they wouldn't have conceded all those goals in those many minutes and they wouldn't have fallen apart. And given that the tie was so close, well, closer than we thought at the end, um, despite refereeing decisions and all that kind of thing, you know, maybe Roma could have done better. It's just that that's what Liverpool make you do, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will mess up your stuff to such an extent that you're sitting there before the game going, I should mess it up first. <laughs> I should do this first so that they, you know, it's, it's almost like that, like break it before your competitors do. Yeah. You yeah, know, that, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. You need to find something new to, to manage this thing to like a, a solution that no one's ever thought about. I need to find that solution. That is, that's so, ex- and, and when that happens to Real, Wow. Wow. It, the, the, you know, it, the, it doesn't happen for very long, but when it does, they sort of collapse entirely. Like, Ramos loses his head and stuff yeah. like it's happened before. Yeah. Okay. They have, they have come back in situations like that, which is why we must never ever write off a team like Real. Like, they are, they are the big match team. If there is a big match team, it's, you know, it's them over, over the past like 10 years or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting how, how Klopp codes this into his, his team. And I, I think it was great that, uh, you know, a few writers have written about it during the season, but that Melissa Rady piece um, oh, yeah, that was on awesome. Jürgen Klopp and, and the tactical approach and how, you know, we, we're sort of waking up to the fact that Jürgen Klopp has taken these tactics to a level that, you know, we thought, you know, we look at it and it's all like, we used to sing like passion and bottle and screaming at people, leadership, you know, all these can be hashtags in your team. But Jürgen Klopp is a very, very tactical coach. Mm-hmm. And heavy metal football is a very tactical approach. And you can see um, yeah. sort of if, if you the analogy that I was thinking of in terms of that lull as you were speaking is if you look at really top class sort of boxers or mixed martial artists and stuff like that, where let's say they'll lower their hands so that you kind of come in to attack them. And then that's when they strike you with that counterattack. So it's that giving the, the opposition that sense of comfort to say, okay, you know, this isn't too bad. You know what I mean? So we're, like we were saying, the, we seem to be starting games slow in the Champions League. It's sort of that where Real Madrid will have the ball for the first 10 minutes of the game. They start getting their passing going. They start getting into... It's sort of like a, a false rhythm that they're now getting into. Yes, yeah, so it's sort of like a comfort level that they're getting into. And the moment they start relaxing and resting on that 
momentum that they've built up now in the game. That's when it seems like I don't know if you if you hear you sort of can hear Klopp whistling uh, at the side of the pitch if you listen carefully. And the moment he's whistling, that's sort of when he, you can see the switches turned on and sort of like okay for the next ten fifteen minutes we need to now kill this game off. And I'm hoping that during that time, you know, we 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 execute and are clinical. Yeah. The Klopp Pavlov whistle. That shit works. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, you know when you go to the, the swimming pools and, and you're like really young, six, seven years old, and you can't swim quite that well yet. So you start over at the shallow end and you tiptoe until you see how far you can go to the, the deep end and then you suddenly yeah. it takes a dip and you're like, oh, yeah. It's almost like the water's pulling you in. <laughs> That's probably the closest that Roma got, <laughs> what, what Roma would have felt. Uh, at Anfield. Um, yeah, guys, let's just cover the last section before we sum up uh, our thoughts on, on this weekend's match. Let's just go quickly blitz through. Um, we've obviously mentioned that Liverpool's had an awesome season beyond our expectations. Um, like I said in the, uh, a few minutes ago, if, if you've given any Liverpool fan fourth place, next year Champions League qualified plus the final, we would have taken it hands down. Uh, let's just do a quick review of the season for you guys. So we want to do goal of the season, Save of the season and moment of the season. Let me start with you, Kalen, to give us a quick rundown of those three. Your eight, to do what? Um, oh yeah, Brad, sorry. You have two goals of the season. <laughs> okay, let, let to do what go first. Sorry, yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, okay I'm gonna let to do what go first. Yeah, oh, man. what a gentleman. No, uh, <laughs> um, with regards to my goal of the season, it, it has to be the goal that uh, Emre Chan scored against Hoffenheim. It was effectively what started off this Champions League campaign. If you look at it, it was during the qualifying rounds to get into the group stages. And it was the second leg. We were already winning um, as a result of the first leg. But in this second leg, it sort of it gave us a glimpse of what could, you know, um, be coming this season. And it wasn't all quite at the point it is at now, but it was definitely a very good starting point. And if I can just describe the goal for those that, I don't, I don't know if they were living under a rock or where they were, but anyway, if you haven't seen it, please go and look out for it. It sort of starts with Moreno. He he gets the ball on the left-hand side of the pitch, about 25 yards from our own goal line. And he, if you look, he has Gini Wijnaldum right in front of him, about 10, 10 yards in front of him. And Gini's sort of showing for the ball to say, you know, pass it here to my feet. Now Moreno zips a pass um, forward, but he sort of bypasses Gini Wijnaldum. And the, that moment uh, when Gini gets bypassed, he sort of moves about three or four yards towards the center of the pitch in order to give, you know, to, to become an option for whoever's receiving the pass. And the person that receives the pass is actually Firmino. So you actually then realize, oh, Moreno was aiming this ball at Firmino, who was on the halfway line with his back to towards the goal and the, um, at the other side. And the moment Firmino sees that the ball's coming towards him, he sort of comes to meet the ball halfway through, and he drags the center back with him. And as soon as he he senses that, okay, the center back is coming with me. Usually you want your, your, your striker to sort of take a touch. They hold the ball up and then pass it off. And then, you know, you build from there. But I think the moment he sensed the center back was coming with him, he sort of played this, um, this, uh, this first time layoff towards Genie. And the moment, and interestingly enough, uh, there's so many facets to this 
to this build-up. So the moment that um, Firmino plays this first-time pass layoff to Gini, you see that Mane actually sees that Firmino is not going to be taking more than one touch. It's just a once-off pass. And he quickly glances across the line because he's in line with the other three now defenders that, that are in sort of their defensive line. And he takes a quick look to see if he's onside. And the moment he sees he's, he's onside, he sort of adjusts himself and he starts sprinting straight away. He doesn't even look to see if Genie's going to be passing the ball or not, um, which obviously indicates that this is a training ground move. And as soon as Genie gets the ball, he's now, he, he's, he's that spraying that ball into that vacated space where Firmino and that center back were. And it, it sort of, it allows Mane to then run onto and collect that pass. Uh, he, squ- he carries on down the byline. He squares up the recovering right back. And for if you watch carefully for a split second, Mane sort of stalls while he's on the edge of the box. Um, it's not long. It's, it's, quite a, it's sort of like a hesitation that he makes. And as soon as he makes that hesitation, then he cuts inside. And if you look at the way he cuts inside, it's sort of that infamous Firmino cut inside, bend it into the far corner, you know, type uh, type of cut in. But for some reason, this telepathic freak plays a backheel through ball. And, okay, we need to go back now. <laughs> so let me take you back to when Bobby laid off that, that pass to Genie. As soon as he played that layoff, he sort of spins off the center back that had come with him, and he starts jogging towards, you know, their goal. And He's jogging, he's jogging, and the moment he sees that Mane has actually collected the ball out wide, all of a sudden Bobby starts to sprint. You know, it's this sort of like a 40-yard lung-busting sprint. And the second Mane has that um, stall, which I was mentioning earlier, earlier, it actually allows Bobby to catch up to play. And um, Bobby effectively is now giving the, the right back the, that headache of a choice of, do I follow now Bobby? Who's made this this overlapping run, or do I stick with Mane, who's who's cut in, and he actually ends up sticking with Mane, and because he's stuck with Mane, it's allowed Mane to play this you know back heel through ball, and the moment he plays this back heel through ball, all of a sudden you see this like Usain Bolt channeling psychopath Firmino sort of collecting the ball forty yards from where he had passed it earlier. And he does this audacious chip. I mean, if I've done a run like that, I'll probably be tired, you know, just drill it to the far post and hope someone taps it in. But he cheekily chips it to the back post. And if you look at when Firmino had started his run earlier, it's the exact same place where Emre Chan, who's going to be finishing this move off, sort of started his run. Because Bobby was jogging, waiting for Mane to collect the ball. The moment Mane collected the ball, that's when Firmino sprinted. And the moment Firmino sprinted, it was a trigger for Emre Chad, who was at the center circle, to also start sprinting. So he starts sprinting towards sort of the far post. So you can see sort of this is something that's been built, you know, in on the training ground. You can see that um, the players can identify when one person runs, okay, that means I need to run, I need to cover this space because it's likely, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. And so eventually to, 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 to finish this goal up, uh, waiting at the back post, you know, without a hair out of place, it's people magazine, <laughs> sexiest man alive. 
you know, that beautifully engineered German four-spring Dutch technique baller, Emre Chan, And this ball floats to him, and he just sides foot volleys it into the back of the net. I mean, oh, beautiful team goal. And you can see how proud Klopp is of this type of – it comes straight from the training ground because as soon as it goes in, the camera pan – you know, Emre Chan does his famous, you know, slide that he likes to do, knee slide – and then the camera turns to Klopp and he, he sort of screams, that's football. Like you, could, you can just see that, yes, this is what I've been trying to do all preseason and these guys are now executing it. Oh, my God. Oof, what a goal. Awesome. Man. <laughs> Give us your save and, and the moment of the season. Oh, my, my save of the season. Now, save of the season and moment of the season aren't as eloquently described as the goal of the season. But I would have to say my save of the season was that uh, Loris Carrier save against Newcastle. It was sort of a ball that's, yep. you know, you know those balls that sort of get clear, half cleared out of the box and you have that that late Lampard running centre center midfielder that's running onto the ball looking to just sort of side foot curl it into the into the near post top corner. And and that that comes in the form of Diame. And he sort of comes late in, in in into the box and the ball sort of trickles out of the box. Nice, easy, slow pace for him to just adjust his body, takes a left foot shot to the near post top corner. And I swear he's turned away celebrating. You can see Newcastle fans jumping up and down, screaming, we're back into this game. And from out of nowhere like a salmon jumping out of the water. You see carriers just get, I swear it was like one finger to this ball, but it was the most glorious save. No, it, and it really, I liked it because it, it, it sort of emphasized the, the fact that, yes, this is why I'm now the number one at Liverpool. He needed that moment, that big save to, to announce himself as the number one. And it was, it was really nice moment to see. And that was my save of the season. And then my moment of the season to end it off, for me, it has to go with uh, the Burnley goal that Clavin scored. So it was, ah. yeah, so it was, it was back in I think the first of January or something like that. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool uh, were away to Burnley, and you know Burnley is a very very tough place to go. If you look over the last two seasons, so to speak, in the Premier League, the amount of teams that have actually gotten three points at Burnley. Uh, of of the traditional top six teams, it's very few. I know Arsenal have had back to back ones, but in both of them, there were like late winners where the ball like bobbled to someone, Koscielny, and somehow he gets it in. Like it's a very very difficult place for the top top guys to get points. And we sort of struggled through the game. We we had a few chances here and then. Burnley also had some chances, but then the 60th minute, Mane sort of got this amazing goal where. He he takes a touch, swivels, and volleys it into the top corner. So 60th minute, you're 1-0 up away from home to Burnley. You're thinking it's a great result. Not many other teams are going to be able to get a point here. Then in the 87th minute, they sort of score a header where, I, I don't know if it was Vokes or someone, comes in. He like ghosts in at the back post and just gets a header in, in into the goal. And you can see from them, they've saved the point. You know, celebrations all around the ground. And and then in the 93rd minute um, of 94 minutes added on, uh, we get a free kick. And it was actually, if I'm not mistaken, it was an Emre Chan sort of burst where he ran an, an insane amount of, of meters with the ball and got taken out. And this was a time when Emre Chan was playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back game. I think he plays like 12 90-minute games in a row. 
which obviously people have problems with Emre Can, some don't, whatever. Like, you can't take that away from how critical he's been for us this season. But anyway, that, that's another story for another day. Um, anyway, we get, we get the free kick and, uh, it's ox to ox. Yeah. Ox to ox is taking the free kick. He clips it to the back post. Lovren sort of leaps up in the air, heads it towards the back post and running in to sort of finish it off is Clavin. And I think the reason that was my moment of the season is because last season, so many of these games where we were 1-0 up and then they, we, we sort of turned victories into draws. We turned draws into losses. And it, 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 this was the game that showed me that this team is willing to grow and is constantly growing under Klopp. This is a game that we clearly would have drawn last season. Now we're turning it into a victory. And we saw that, you know, for the remainder of the season, there were so many times where we were able to grind out victories where in, in previous seasons we actually would have drawn or lost. So that was the reason why it was the moment of the season because it, for me it was the turning point that, okay, this team is actually going to move forward. Yeah, fuck it. It was crazy, man. It was, it was like a rugby scrum that they'd one position back and everyone was just all over uh, old Clavy over there. But <laughs> brilliant moment, brilliant moment. It was definitely the way you describe it, man. It was awesome. Okay. I think you probably have the same save of the season because that for some reason is the only save I can think of. <laughs> the, the Newcastle one. Uh, no, I've got a different one actually. Okay. I've got a okay, different go one. Fire, yeah, yeah. Fire yeah, away, man. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, with goal of the season, I actually the, the my goal of the season was the same as the Dewar's, but I, I'll 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 describe why before picking a different one. But every time everybody anybody speaks about Liverpool, it, they just say, "Oh, you're just a very good counter-attacking team." That goal, while it was a counter-attack, was not like this blistering pace, mess you up counter-attack where you have like three on two defenders. The whole defensive contingent was there. The whole defensive contingent was turned around twice. By ridiculous moving from Liverpool. Like that, I've, it was just madness. Like to turn a defense around, running back towards zone goal twice in a move to the point where they go, Oh God, I'm panicking. Oh no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Oh no. Again, <laughs> th- that's like, how do you do that? that that's, that's perfect Klopp. And, uh, and, and yeah, but, um, it, given that Tidi was taking that one, I think my favorite goal of the season, just because I love Bobby so much. Is when he like bummed stones out the <laughs> way for that Man City Ooh, goal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just, just chips it up over the keeper and then it bounces off the post like a bastard. Like so somebody's running up there thinking that this ball's going to bounce off the post and I can kick it away. Like, no, it goes in. It's fine. You know, that is like, it's all Bobby. It's, it's just so cheeky and it's so strong. And this is, this is the thing I was talking about. You don't think about Bobby like that strong guy. And there he is like absolutely rumbling stones out the way. Um, who's supposed to be like, you know, your, your, your proper big center back. And he's a proper center back, Josh Stones. It just, just, it was, uh, Bobby knows how balance works all the time. He will skin you alive for, for what it's worth. My save of the season, I'm going to go for Karius, the save, um, from Balassi against Everton. Because you know what? That shot, was going into the top corner and it had crummy fevering, you know, just taking away a, a win from a game that they weren't even supposed to have drawn really. Uh, that's how those games go. That was a, the one moment of quality that Everton had in that game and it was destined to go in. And honestly, like I've seen those go in over the years, like against Man United, against Everton. 
to have Carrier save that was like a pretty big deal. And I know it's just it, it, it's just a draw, just, but it was a, a pretty big draw. We could that was a a bit of breathing space for us in terms of uh, a physical recovery between games and stuff like that. And uh, we were never really in danger other than that shot. But previously, I mean, how many times have we sat here talking about like the first shot on target goes in? Yeah. Uh, you know, there were, there was a stretch of like 13 goals like that. So th- that was, that was brilliant for me. And it was one of the saves that bedded Carrius down as somebody who very much deserved his spot and was getting better and better. And for moment of the season, I'm going to be a dick and I'm just going to say when we qualify for the Champions League, I don't care. I'm doing <laughs> that one. The last game when, of the season. <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah. When, um, no, no, no. Um, the, the, for the final. So when the whistle blew against Roma oh. and we were into the, 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 the Champions League final, I'm going to say that one because that moment has stretched out from then, like literally and, and is going to continue until, you know, the whistle blows. On the twenty sixth, um, that that's how long that moment will yeah. last. I think um, that's a... you know, in, in in its sort of live moment. But yeah, I, I felt everybody was going to take that one, so um, I'm I'm glad I got it out. Before well, you I went. actually have something <laughs> different, but yeah, no, that, that's actually very good ones, man. All right, all right. No, which, which <laughs> I do have the then? same save as the dealer. as I mentioned. I, for some reason, that's the only thing that sticks in my mind if I think of a save the season. Maybe the, our defense is so good that the guy didn't even really needs to make saves. But um, for me, the goal of the season I'll do first is I would say the what should have been the match-winning goal against Spurs, the most Salah dribble in the box. Ooh. Oh, my God, man. Yes, that was crazy, that was like dude. Oh, my God. The closest thing to Messi that you would see, honestly. How he got that in and the way he just mesmerized the defenders is unfucking believable Plus, let's remember that he's lost that ball in yes, the box. Yes, yes, he claims for a, a foul or something. Or yeah, he's got ball. his hand up yeah, for a handball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the handball, yes, that's it. And then he just plays on and does that. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, I will just take this yeah. and deliver now. Like, he just decides. It's like he just decided, no, I'm that going to go now. The match winner, the tragedy, tragedy it wasn't. Um, the moment of the season, I've seen that myself was the same. For me, the moment of the season was... That 20 minutes versus Roma. Okay, I'm, I'm more or less 20 minutes where we just absolutely fucking blitzed him. Five not up. I was actually at the supporters club and dude, just picture this. I was drenched in fucking beer because they were selling <laughs> drafts, like pints. So it wasn't, it wasn't bottles. It was like pints. And there were so many goals in that game that whenever yeah. they are going and everyone was like, yeah. And this was just beer and. Fucking everywhere. <laughs> I was at the official supporters club, right? Nice. And there were so many goals in that game that by the first goal, the guys weren't even really jumping off the bouncing of the table. They were just like, yeah, okay, cool. Another goal. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing, man. All right, guys. I think that's about it for us today. Um, yeah, do you guys have any plugs? In, uh, let's say face off again. I see it's, it's the two of you have formed a formidable team there in the, the face off camp. Yeah, yeah, I know. So the, no fan reaction left for the season, obviously. Um, uh, but we look, we, we're going to see what we're going to do in the off season. Uh, we're working on a couple of globals as well. So uh, yeah, do stay tuned. It, it's just going to take us a little bit of time to get our asses in gear. And you know, if it's not one thing, it's the other. It's a bloody work, and life gets in the way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we will have that content out for you. Uh, we've had a really, really good week this week on Anfield Index. A number of pods. Um, have been coming out and will come out, so do stick around for that. But we've got you covered for the off season. So, 
keep it tuned right there. Cool. For you, Tadewa? Yeah, I think just to echo what Kay was saying, um, I think, yeah, we're going to work on a few things for for the face-off. There are quite a few interesting things that we could do there, face-off of uh, different players in a team, different positions and stuff like that. Uh, with regards to me on a personal level, I'm going to put pressure on myself and say I'm going to have an article out by next week. Nice. If I don't, if I don't make it public, then I know I'm not going to do it. So yeah, expect an article on from me next week. I'm still deciding on what exactly I'm going to write on, but yeah, I need to get writing again. Cool, man. Your first, your debut piece was very good. I, I don't know if I got back to you, but yeah, it was very good, man. Cheers. Um, you, sh- you should actually, I don't know if you, you said you might not do a first of post the Champions League game. And if it doesn't go well, you might as well not do one. But I mean, if it does go well, just get like everyone to send in a 15-minute snippet of them fucking going apeshit and put it all together, mash it up, and push that thing out. That'll be a yeah. I'll have a I'll have a face I'll have a face on like how good do you think that was? <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll just, <laughs> we'll just go around and uh, and we'll contrast normal fans with the FSG outlaw and see what awesome, they think. Man. Okay, cool. Nice. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for the the pod, guys. It was awesome. Thank you, Kalen, for giving up your um, birthday. Uh, Hour of your of your your special day to to do this and hopefully the, the 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 good luck and the celebrations go with you over the weekend and we lift our big ears again. Um, yep. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. So yeah, definitely hoping for that. Yeah. Okay, cool, definitely man. going to the club now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thanks for listening again and yep, that's it for now. Cheers. Podcast Network.